Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits Kentucky podcast. We've got a great one for you this week. Our Q&A is with Jeb the Creed and talking about the distillery and how it's come along there in Shelbyville. And uh, if you don't see a new episode from us here in the next week or two, don't panic. We'll be back in mid-February, just taking a little break at the start of the month. Then we'll be back with some really cool chats. And before we get into our Q&A this week, what's pouring around Kentucky? Some news and notes. Louisville food truck Good Belly has plans to open its first brick-and-mortar location in the Highlands this spring. The New York-style deli will occupy the former space of Silly Axe Cafe at, on Dundee Road. Um, also, the Keswick is now open in Shelby Park, and it's a throwback to 1953. Owners Ryan and Rachel Cohey transitioned their restaurant Red Top Hot Dogs into a bar after closing it last September. The new loosely-themed Appalachian Dive Bar pays homage to the historic Keswick Democratic Club that operated in the building from 1953 to 2016. And while the brick and mortar is gone, the Red Top food truck is not. You can expect it at the Keswick. And because this space has a kitchen on site, you can expect pop-ups from other restaurants around Louisville. In Northern Kentucky, Ford's Garage, a 1920s themed burger and beer joint, recently opened in Florence at the former Tilted Kilt location. This will be the first Ford's Garage location in Kentucky and the second in the greater Cincinnati area after the Northwood location opened last year. And this spring, a brand new Braxton Brewing Tap Room will arrive at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport in Concourse A. Construction on the 1,500-foot tap room has already begun. It will feature the company's recognized bites, brews, and seasonal offerings for incoming and outgoing travelers. And mark your calendars because Par 6 Social is scheduled to open at 3565 Nicholasville Road at the Fayette Mall in Lexington on February 27th. Par 6 Social is an entertainment complex featuring a restaurant, bar, uh, large screen TVs, and three top golf swing suite simulators. And coming to the distillery district is a new taco joint, which will take them former Middle Fork spot. Desperados is expected to open this spring or summer with a full menu of fresh tacos, salsas, and honey of mezcals and tequilas the space is currently being updated to include an outdoor indoor outdoor patio but enough of our news and notes from around kentucky up next is our q a with autumn and joyce nethery from jeff the creed enjoy remember to check out hops and spirits on social media at hop spirits all one word on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter you can also find hops and spirits on youtube and at hopspirits.com Joining us here for our Q&A, they are pretty cool duo, um, and they're, they're family members at that. They are from Jeff the Creed. Please welcome in Joyce and Autumn Nethery. Hi. Well, that was in sync. That was just perfect. I, I, love, <laughs> I love that. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> Joyce is the CEO, Master Distiller. Autumn is the Director of Sales and Marketing. And I always like to start this off because folks might might know the bigger brand, might not know who's behind the brand. Um, now, I don't want you to get too detailed into your answers about Jephthah Creed and all that, but just a little bit of Cliff Notes version about yourselves. Well, I'm Joyce, and I am our one of our founders. Autumn is also a founder, and I am our CEO and master distiller. Uh, we are a farm craft distillery that is family-run and family-operated. And we're just so excited and happy to be part of Kentucky Bourbon Scene. Autumn? Autumn. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Autumn Nethery. I'm the daughter portion of the mother-daughter duo here at Jeff the Creed. 
and I'm our director of sales and marketing. So as my mother likes to say, she's our master distiller. She makes the product and then I get it out the door. It's a, it's a good team. It's a good duo. That's why I said, I, I love what, what y'all are, are doing. And my first question is, is for Joyce, because when I was reading up on, on you, I love this. You clearly have a love of science. Anyone that understands bourbon in the bourbon world knows there's a, a lot of science behind it. Uh, but you went from a process engineer to a high school teacher to a distiller. That seems yes. like quite the journey. <laughs> I have been on quite a career journey, and it's not anything that you would I would have ever mapped out. If you know, we, back in high school, I was looking at my options and what my career needed to be. The path I've taken would not have been. Uh, identified at all. But uh, I did, I have always loved science. Um, you know, math and science were always my thing from high school on and uh, got my master's degree in chemical engineering, University of Louisville Speed Scientific School. Then worked as a process engineer for a company called Roman Haas, which is now part of Dow uh, DuPont. And uh, did that for many years in industrial distillation actually. And what I found is that whether I'm distilling uh, the product I did there, which was MMA, methyl methacrylate, or if I'm distilling ethanol for bourbon, the principles and applications and techniques are all very, very similar. But bourbon is a lot more fun. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. I never have tasted the MMA. You get to taste the bourbon. Uh, did that for many years. Left, uh, left engineering to become a high school chemistry and physics teacher and learned lots of important skills while I was doing that. Uh, classroom management, hugely important <laughs> and applies to when you've got bachelor parties and bachelorette parties in the distillery. Same skills, <laughs> same technology, same, same mental <laughs> placement, placements. And then I became a chief financial officer for my husband's uh, company and then now distillery. So all of those pieces come together I think beautifully to be able to run the distillery now. Now, now, Autumn, you though didn't exactly have a love of of bourbon, if I if I read correctly. You it <laughs> came to you maybe a little later in a trip and a year in Scotland, right? Well, when it, we first talked about starting the distillery, I at the time was a freshman in college. I was eighteen, getting ready to turn nineteen, so wasn't really legal to drink. <laughs> You know, so when we first talked about starting a distillery, I thought it was kind of a crazy idea. And uh, my original path through college was going to be that I was wanting to be a film major and make movies and videos and that kind of stuff. And quickly figured out that that wasn't going to be a realistic career path going forward. So I was already interested in looking at new things and marketing was one that I was looking at. And when we started talking about a distillery, I was kind of like, I have absolutely no idea what that means. Like, what does, what do you mean bourbon? We're going to make bourbon. What is involved in all that? Well, luckily being in Kentucky and in Shelbyville and only within 40 minutes of every major bourbon distillery in the world who all just so happened to do tours, uh, it was very easy to go and check things out. And it was actually at Woodford Reserve while I was on spring break. We as a family did a tour there and we were the only ones on the tour and the tour guy found out that I was interested in the industry and he really took us on a behind the scenes in-depth tour like stopped employees on the tour to talk to me about the industry 
And that's where I saw that there was a beautiful mixture of just science, Kentucky, and this art form to really create bourbon. And while I couldn't legally taste it, I did and was able to try some of it and it was delicious. So <laughs> we won't tell anyone. I wanted to get into the industry. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm over 21 now. I can, I can talk about it. <laughs> but nobody wanted to teach you how to make bourbon when you're under 21 in America. Uh, so found a program over in Scotland through Harriet Watt University. At the time, the idea was that I would be our master distiller one day and went over there and lived there for about a year studying. And one of the things we quickly figured out was that I did not inherit the chemical engineering mind of my mother over there. Um, it would go in one ear out the other. I wouldn't understand it. And one of the things that you really need when you're distilling is a good understanding of biology, chemistry, and agriculture. While I can maybe understand the ag and some of the, you know, engineering pieces of it, the, the chemistry and the biology were not clicking. So master distiller was never going to be a, a, something that I would be able to do. We quickly figured that out. Um, so that's how Joyce ended up becoming our master distiller and figured out that one thing that we were really missing was the marketing and the sales piece. Hugely really, important. Hugely important, mm -hmm. very important. And we didn't have that. So while I was still studying marketing, ended up switching pathways and that was the direction that we went in. Well, and it works out that you have you were able to get that that knowledge of kind of what goes on, even if you're not able to to produce it, because that lets you be able to talk about it and and do your your pitch and both go hand in hand because you can't have one without the out the other. And and truthfully, you can't have any of it unless you have the distillery. So how did the distillery uh, come to be? Well, the distillery was actually my husband's idea. He grew up as a dairy farmer. And we had a dairy of our own for a while. We, we milked about 40, 40 cows, a mixture of Holstein and Jersey's. And um, it reached a point where the feed bill was greater than the milk revenue. So I'm like, uh, this has to stop. <laughs> but we managed to keep the farm. We managed to keep the equipment, those pieces. Um, and this was my husband's idea. The distillery was my husband's idea. He kept talking about it, but I didn't want him to go blind or blow himself up. <laughs> so I found him some training, a five-day distillers class at Moonshine University in Louisville, which is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And got him signed up for what just happened to be their very first class of uh, a five-day distillers class. But then he couldn't go. So I'd already paid for it. So I went and through that, I fell back in love with my engineering and I fell back in love with copper. But the most important thing that came out of that class was the concept of ground to glass. Mm -hmm. That with my husband's agricultural expertise and with still having the farm and the land, we could grow our own heirloom varietals of corn. With my engineering, we could distill it. Autumn's expertise, get it out the door and we can make a beautiful bourbon product. So I came out of that class with that concept so now when I tell that story, I have to say that my husband was right. <laughs> this was a great idea. <laughs> it, it pains you to say that, though. It, I, I can tell. Yes, it's difficult. You know, I have to say my <laughs> husband was right every time I tell a story. So. But he was right. And now we have the distillery. The family gets to work together. Um, it's a very beautiful thing. 
And I was going to say, what's it like for, for the family to work together? Because, you know, sometimes family, you, usually when you work, you get to leave it at work. But, you know, if you come home and are having dinner and everyone's sitting around the table, uh, unfortunately, work might come up. Yeah, it's kind of impossible to separate it out. <laughs> I mean, good news is that we all kind of live separately now. So, you know, my, my brother has his own place. I've got my own place and my parents have their place. Sure, we're only less than two miles away from each other, all on the same farm still, but we at least have our own places to escape to <laughs> so we can get away from each other occasionally. Um, but no, I think part of it, I mean, growing up on a family farm, it, you kind of were forced to work together from the time we were kids up to now anyway. So you, through the process, you kind of just end up learning how to work together and still be able to kind of separate work from family to a point. I mean, sometimes it, there, it, there's just some things you just can't separate. But. Yeah, there's always issues. I mean, and there's issues whether you're family or not. Mm -hmm. But I think what really works out well for us is that we've all learned through, you know, having a family farm from, like Autumn said, you know, working together from there being kids and my husband worked with his father from childhood, that you learn to allow each person to have their own strengths, to um, really embrace those strengths and let them grow and develop uh, with those. And that those strengths actually, different sets of, of strengths actually help build the whole business. Uh, so we kind of just learned to let everyone be in their own lane and not to cross over too much. Well, and it works too. Like you said, you're the distiller, Autumn, you, you've got the sales marketing, your husband's working the farm. So you each have, have an area that you, you can bring something to the table. And you mentioned the farm. I mean, that farm has been, you know, the family history with there goes back generations. And that's where the distillery is built is on, on that, that land, right? So the distillery is actually about 10, 15 minutes away from the family farm. Um, one of that separation of family and work things, we decided that one at the time, Shelby County was dry and where the family farm was, was in a dry area. We wouldn't be able to have a tasting room um, and we really needed a tasting room. So we found a piece of property in Shelbyville, still within the county, like literally 10 minutes from our houses that we could build the distillery on and be able to be annexed into the city of Shelbyville and allow us to have a tasting room. Um, and it's still an agricultural piece of land. We grow the corn here and all of the corn that we use for our products for the Bloody Butcher is grown within 10, 15 miles of the distillery. Um, at this point, we've got 1,200 acres that we grow on now. So yeah. it's growing about 700 here. acres of the corn this year. Yeah. And, and how cool is it to kind of be able to do that and, and have that, whether it's you, your land or, 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 you know, just in the region, be able to produce something so close by and know what's, what's going on. It is really cool. It's, I mean, it's cool to be able to, you, you actually start to notice a little bit of differences between each uh, region, even when they're really close together, you've got some pieces where you're like, okay, this is like great fertile ground for corn. We really need to plant here. And then other places you're like, that's the sacrificial piece, you know, because we've got up to 25% of our yield could be lost at wildlife because they just love the bloody butcher corn so much. So you just, you find different places and you've got those different things that can come up, but uh, it's actually really cool and fun to be able to grow uh, our own products basically. 
And I, and I was going to say to the name, you, you could have gone with the family, the, the name, the last name, but you guys chose Jephthah Creed. Can you explain the name and what it means and how it all came to be? Yeah. So our home farm where I grew up, where my dad grew up, uh, even where my grandfather kind of grew up was all at the foothills of these hills in Shelby County called Jephthah Knob. Hmm. And we figured out as we were looking up, because I would spend a lot of time looking up distillation history in Shelby County. And one of the things that I ended up stumbling upon, which had absolutely nothing to do with distillation history in the county, but found where Squire Boone and Daniel Boone were exploring the area and they named the knobs after a biblical warrior in Judges 11. And so you've got both my family history of the area, uh, Kentucky history being in the area, the biblical component that my mom absolutely loved. And we were like, okay, well, we, we got to be Jephthah. And then because we grow the corn for our products, all of our flavored products are using all natural ingredients, nothing artificial, no flavorings, extracts, colorings, that kind of stuff. We chose Creed as a promise to our customers to be always upfront and honest with them about what's going into their bottle, that they will know what they're drinking. So that's where Jet the Creed came from. Now, were there any other names uh, being, being uh, thrown about or was oh, Jet the Creed? there was an entire list. I, I think for one of our company-wide meetings, I went through our emails from at this point now, 10 years ago. <laughs> it's been 10 years since we first came up with the idea for Jet the Creed. And it was a quite literally a 10 page sheet of just names. And we had places where we'd X'd out and things that we liked. Like I had one that we, a lot of people will say Jephthah Creek. And I, we specifically wanted not to use Creek, even though Jephthah Creek does run through the home farm because we didn't want to get confused with Knob Creek. So we like, there was an entire page that just had names using the word Creek that we threw out. <laughs> so yeah, believe me, there were a lot of different names that we went with. Actually, I think, Coming up with a name was one of the most difficult things about starting things. the distillery. It was like, and it, and it became a generational thing too, that my husband and I really liked the Jephthah Creed. Uh, the kids didn't at first and, and didn't understand it. And that we just had, we had almost battles over the name for a while. Yeah, what is it? We finally settled on Jephthah Creed. Like we started the process of trying to pick a name in 2013. And we finally settled on one almost in 2015. Yeah. Like we didn't even have there. a logo or a name when we first started having press releases going about about a distillery starting in Shelby County from a local family. Like we didn't have a name picked out yet, <laughs> but we were making headlines because we were trying to get laws and zoning and stuff changed around here to allow a distillery. So it it was nearly two years of fighting about just the name. <laughs> well, it works now. It, it works. It's probably something that is just second nature to say. It yeah. is now. When you think back, I don't re don't think about that time too much, but it was kind of tumultuous. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to say be said with it with names, and it, it comes up in, in everything, even when you're trying to figure out what to call uh, your your products and your your newest one. Uh, I think probably came pre pretty straightforward, and that's the uh, red, white, and blue bourbon, which has the the heirloom varieties. I'm guessing that wasn't too hard to come up with that name, was it? No, no, that one was easy. <laughs> that one was cool. Yeah, we actually opened to the public on uh, Veterans Day in 2016. 
which is November 11th. And at the time we didn't realize that November 11th was always Veterans Day, that it stayed on that day. Uh, but we think it's actually beautiful now that, you know, honoring our veterans is something that is a core value for us. So for our first anniversary, you know, we've been growing the red corn and my husband had developed a blue heirloom corn that uh, he grew that year. So I sourced some white heirloom corn, which we are now growing ourselves also, but I sourced some white heirloom corn. So I did a red corn, white corn, blue corn mash fill. And so we just call it red, white, blue. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, that, that is something that you guys have. It's, it's out um, now and it's cool too, because you also give a portion of the proceeds back to the veterans club of Kentucky. Yes. So this first batch uh, portion of our proceeds will go back to the veterans club of Kentucky. And the idea is we only release it once a year on veterans day. Uh, so batch two will be released November 11th of 2023. And every year with a different batch number, we will switch up the organization that we donate to um, so that we can hopefully spread the love around. And how important was it to kind of give back? Because you mentioned you, you launched on Veterans Day, you're able to kind of do the red, white and blue. And finally, now it's come to age where you can release it. But how important is it to kind of give back as well? It's very important. I mean, for the red, white and blue, that was always the intention when we first started it even as we came up with the mash bill, the idea was that from the beginning, a portion of the proceeds of that bottle were going to go to help our veterans, uh, help our active duty military, help anyone that really needed it that were a veteran the military. Um, so that was very important to us and has always been part of the plan. I mean, even so far as the barrels, when we would have them set up, if we had veterans or active duty military come through on the tour, they would be able to sign the barrel that we had out for them. And then people got really excited about that and would like take pictures of their barrel. And when it came time to release, people really wanted to know if their barrel was part of the batch. So we had to come up with a system for people to be able to find out what barrels were in what batch. And so we added the QR code to the label. Uh, we've got a sheet on our website that we update <laughs> with each batch now. Uh, so it's, it's always been important for us to be upfront with people about it. I love that. I, I love that. And, and you, that's not the only product you guys have out. You kind of have a, a core three that, that are on shelves. The, the others being, I've, I've got a couple of little samples here, here uh, by me. That's the straight four grain bourbon and then the bottled and bond rye heavy bourbon. Yes, yes. And can you talk a little bit about those? About <laughs> <laughs> so the one, the two that she's got, she's got both the rye and the four grain in her hands right now. Um, the four grain was the very first bourbon that we ever released that we made all ourselves under our own label. So that was super exciting. We released it in May of 2019. At that time, it was a minimum of two years old, and starting by the end of this year, it will all be a minimum of four years old. So going forward, all bourbon products that we put out will be at least four years old. Awesome. And the four grain mash bill actually came up because when we first were coming up with the distillery, the idea was that we would only have one bourbon mash bill that we would make. But in True nethery fashion, we couldn't agree on what mash bill everybody liked. Like, um, I liked the rye mash bill. Mom liked the wheat mash bill. Hunter actually liked a mix of the mash bills. So we came up with 
the three mash bills. We went in for trying to find one mash bill and we settled on three. So we've got the four grain mash bill, which was a mix of the rye and the wheat that we originally kind of envisioned, the rye mash bill that I and my dad really liked, and then the wheat mash bill that is Joyce really likes that is still currently aging. Uh, that will be released in April of 2025. Um, so the four grain mash bill is 70% bloody butcher corn, 15% malted rye, 10% malted wheat, 5% malted barley, 98 proof, uh, currently aged for a minimum of two years, but in fact, the batch that is out on the shelf right now is like three and a half years old. Um, and by the end of this year, minimum four years old, change the label to reflect that, and then going forward, it will always be a minimum of four. Yeah, four years old now. And then beautiful. for the rye bourbon, we released that in November of 2021. Uh, it is our first bottle and bond product that we've ever released, which is really exciting. And that mash bill is 75% bloody butcher corn, 20% malted rye, 5% malted barley, and then 100 proof, aged for a minimum of four years, all in the same season, you know, all the same things that you have to have to finish bottle and bond. More beautifulness. <laughs> I was gonna say it's really cool to kind of see that because that also lets folks have a they have different taste buds which clearly I think the family does and and I know when we do yes. our reviews my, my friend and I uh we we have different taste buds and that's kind of the beauty they get to try something then different and, and maybe find what they they love and and if say bourbon's not not their thing you guys also do a few other things that folks might be able to try there as well absolutely uh, we make vodka, which is 100% bloody butcher corn. We make it from scratch ourselves here at the distillery, which is a little bit more complicated than you would think it would be. Uh, but we make that here. We've also got some flavored vodkas. So we've got our blueberry flavor, honey flavor, hot pepper, which has been gangbusters. That was a very popular flavor. And then we've also got our coffee vodka. And then we've got our moonshine which is the four grain bourbon mash bill distilled off of our pot still. So like our bourbons are distilled off of the column still, the moonshine is distilled off of our pot still. So a little bit different, slightly different distilling techniques for those, even though they use the same mash bill. And the moonshines, we've got the original moonshine, which is 80 proof. And then we've got our flavored moonshines, which are all 60 proof. And they've also got um, a little bit of added sugar, whereas the flavored vodkas have no added sugar to them. So anybody who watches their sugar, like um, I've had some people with some diabetes come through and ask, like, can I drink the moonshine? Like, it's got a lot of sugar in it. I would maybe avoid it, maybe go with the flavored vodkas instead. Um, but the flavored moonshines, we've got apple pie, which my tour guides like to joke that if you make moonshine in the state or in the United States, you legally have to make an apple pie because it seems like everybody does. That's yeah. not true, but it's kind of it's feels kinda. like it's true. <laughs> uh, we've also got a blackberry, a lemonade, and a cinnamon flavor. And and Autumn, when you're you know doing all these um different things, what's it like for you to kind of go between, you know, a bourbon and then you know go over to the different to the pot still making moonshine and a vodka because as folks may or may not know bourbon takes time to age so you kind of also got to fill in the gaps and be able to have products that could come to the market a little quicker so what's it like doing all those different uh spirits uh at first 
we really had to focus on the moonshine and the vodka from a sales point because everybody wanted the bourbon, but we wanted to do it right. So it just meant aging it and waiting for it. And we didn't do any contract distilling with anybody to have it made ahead of time. So we only started distilling our bourbon in October of 2016, and we opened to the public in November of 2016. So what I had on the shelf was vodka and moonshine, and I didn't have all of the flavors that I've got now. We started out with only four products. <laughs> we started out with uh, the original vodka, and I think honey. it was the honey vodka, honey. and then the original moonshine and it was the lemonade moonshine yeah and those were the four that we started with and then we added in the other flavors as we continued on so it it was funny being able to start distilling the bourbon and then watching it as it aged and being able to taste it at the different points at this point you can start to pick up like okay this flavor component that we really like in the bourbon that we want to make sure going forward is in there only starts showing up when it's about three years old. So if it's released before three, you're not going to have that flavor component we really want. But then it might shine in the vodka, like the vodka, when you distill it, comes off with this beautiful cake batter flavor. But like the marzipan flavors and the bourbon don't show up until it's about two and a half, three years old. So it's fun being able to see those kind of differences and they, they do require different sales techniques. And also when you're just tasting through, we've ended up coming up with a tasting order uh, as we taste through vodka, moonshine, and the bourbon so that people's palates don't get blown out <laughs> with a, a specific flavor. Now, now, Joyce, that means a lot more work for you as you, you do a whole bunch of different things uh, and, and make everything come to life. It is a challenge with all those different flavors and we do it all naturally to try to have a consistent uh, flavor profile over time because if you're trying to make the hot pepper vodka in like right now January uh, you know we use three different hot peppers and garlic in that well those peppers aren't necessarily the same flavor naturally in January as they are in June you know so trying to get that, that flavor profile consistent is quite a challenge so to do that over all those different products it's uh it's, it's quite a, an ordeal, but we do it. We do it with a lot of love and it means you get to taste those products as they're, as they're being processed because you got to make sure that flavor profile is consistent once it gets in the bottle and, and goes out the door. Uh, bourbon is, is beautiful uh, to get to watch it grow and, and mature in the barrels to get to taste and, and see how that's gone as it's gone along. Uh, from zero age to you know four and more now, it's it's really a a beautiful thing for for me to have aged product to get to see it come to its maturity uh, and to get to see it continue to mature. It's, it's quite a joy. Well, and and you because know, I mean, like you like you said, it it takes time for these things to hit their kind of sweet spot, and that's always difficult to be willing to let it go that long because there's a lot of money and time in, invested in that, but um, it's got to be rewarding when it does hit the flavor profile you're hoping for. Oh, it is. I am, I am so happy and so tickled with what we have uh, in our bourbon bottles right now and our other vodka and, and moonshine products. And just to throw it out there, we've got a lot of different things going on 
here at the distillery that we've uh, distilled. Um, we have a gin that we're working on right now. We have uh, some single malt that's laid down. We have some whiskeys that are laid down. We have a lot of different things that we've done and experimented with. So there's going to be some really cool things coming out for us in the future too. In addition to the wheat bourbon that Autumn talked about that we are continuing to let age and, and mature a little bit more. Um, beginning to watch this bourbon mature, I am so happy and so proud of it. And um, I think the red, white, and blue just really exemplifies you know, what we're trying to do and to show with the Bloody Butcher corn, the heirloom corns, like all the mix of heirloom corns, just pull that all together and to have a, a beautiful product out on the shelf. Well, and, 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 you know, like you said, folks are, are able to come by, swing by, try it. If you're driving on I-64, I don't think you can miss them. Um, or at least, at least if you, you are, maybe you're focusing very well on the road, yes, uh, which is a which good, good thing, which is a good thing. Uh, but, but when folks do get to come out and visit the distillery, what can they expect? So when they come to the distillery, uh, we're open Thursday through Sunday. They can come in. We've got a free spirit tasting on the hour that they can either book ahead of time or if there's room, we take walk-ins for that. Uh, you'll be able to try our bourbons and our original moonshine. We've also got our craft bourbon uh, bar over here at the distillery where we make cocktails. Uh, we've got our vodka flight, our moonshine flight, our aged spirit sampler flight. We've got slushies. We've got barrel-aged cocktails. We got all kinds of fun stuff behind that bar that are really good. Um, and then we've also got our barrel tasting experience, which that one you have to book ahead of time on our website. But we'll take you back to the barrel barn and we'll tell you about the history of the property, the history of the distillery. We'll go really in depth with the family and the products that you're tasting. And we'll actually get to try a single barrel bourbon straight from the barrel. We'll literally thief it out of the barrel right in front of you and you get to try cast strength single barrel product. So that's, those are some of the fun things. And we've also got a mixology class that we've added in. And we're adding in some more fun experiences for the second half of 2023. So yeah. we, there's all kinds of fun stuff. And while you're here, we have the Creed Cafe. So you get uh, lunch, you know, get a beautiful snacks while you're here too. Yeah. Well, and, and you need that so you can enjoy maybe a couple more uh, beverages there as well. And, and you get, you both have touched on this as we kind of wrap up that you have a lot of cool things coming. You've got a lot of things and, and that's what people may not understand. Like I said, time takes, uh, is, is the, is the most important thing in, in the game and it's fun to kind of watch and see. So what can you tell us that you have coming up, uh, that won't get you in trouble, but that, that you can give us a nice tease on? Well, we have a line called the, our Bloody Butcher's Creed line, uh, which we plan on having releases uh, twice a year in that one. And in that line right now, we have a 90% corn Mashville bourbon uh, that is out right now. And that is 90% Bloody Butcher corn, then malted wheat and malted rye, because in our Jeff the Creed product, all of those uh, small grains are malted. So a little bit of extra earthiness in that flavor profile. And that is a, a beautiful product that we have out right now. Uh, we have some other uh, releases coming in that Bloody Butcher's Creed line, such as a tequila finished bourbon. We have a, a weeded whiskey uh, that can be coming out. And um, the blue corn I mentioned, we have some, I call it Bruce's Blue. My husband's name is Bruce. So Bruce's Blue bourbon 
Uh, that'll be coming out in the next uh, year or two. So several beautiful things coming out in the future. Yeah, in addition to the weeded. She's got it hidden behind her, but there's an entire list of our experimental bourbons with timelines uh, that of things that we've got aging right now that be coming out in that experimental line. And those are one-offs. Once they're released and put out on the shelf, they're that's it. So once they're gone, they're gone kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the, we've got some fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, I'd love to hear that. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what, what y'all can do next. And, and like I said, check them out there in Shelbyville. You can't miss them right off the interstate there. And Joyce, Autumn, thank you for sharing your story and just having some fun with me. Well, thank you, Jonathan. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.